when you're not looking through this, uh -huh. sometimes you got to strain to see it. Yeah. But yet on here, you can see. Okay, it's got two lights again. Wait yeah. a minute. Two, one little one. Wait, maybe three. Hang on, hang on. Okay. Wow. Okay, got one now it's got it. one ahead of it. Now it's getting really, really bright. Real bright. Now it's got one ahead of it, way ahead of it. Might be coming up the road. Hang on now. I see three lights. Yeah, there was one behind the bigger light. There's multiple lights there right now. Yeah. Okay, now I'm seeing. Oh, I can't tell. I'm not sure. Okay. There was one little light that went into the bigger light to the left. But I've had it all the way up to the hood of my car. I mean, the best time to see it is in a rainy, stormy night. You got people standing out in the middle of the road. Chemical, electromagnetic thing. Well, it causes a considerable amount of problems, as you might well understand. I've not seen it myself. Scared the living heck out of me. It wasn't scary. Something goes on out there. And boys, it does exist. Thanks for listening to the Ozarks Explorer. Today we're talking about the Joplin Spook Lights, one of the more requested um, episodes I, I hear from. Uh, thanks for the artwork to Frank Norton. You can uh, check out his stuff on his website, frank-norton.com. Um, like us on Facebook, give us a review, et cetera, et cetera, and enjoy the show. So you want to drive down to Lance Country Feed Store at 9911 Highway 43 outside Seneca, south of Joplin. From there, you'll turn right on Iris Road and go about two and a half miles west of State Line Road. Go north and continue through two intersections and then turn west. Spooklight most commonly appears about a half mile down the road. And it's one of the more famous ghost lights that have been reported. Now, I don't have a lot of uh, prior knowledge of concept of ghost lights so um, but considering this is i mean it's got its own wikipedia page so i imagine it has to have some kind of significance more so than other claimed ghost lights um but it's also got my other names other than joplin spook light which um, in my experience has been the more common name but it's also known as you know the tri-state spook light or um, the hornet spook light and things like that um now it was the spook light was allegedly first encountered during uh, the Trail of Tears in 1836. In the it was officially first reported in 1881. Uh, it was a publication published by uh, Foster Young entitled Ozark Spook Light. However, in 1896, um, the town called Hornet, uh, which is right on like near the border of Oklahoma and Missouri, um, was overwhelmed with a number of sightings of a large ball of light seen moving through the fields. Um, the spook light's actually seen and encountered in Oklahoma near the town of Quapaw because, and uh, I might be pronouncing that wrong, sorry, uh, Quapaw because the best viewing point is on the Missouri-Oklahoma border and the light, which is when it's encountered, is 
really in the state of Oklahoma, even if you're looking at it from Missouri. Um, leg- there's a lot of different legends for the possible cause of the spook light, um, including one of the um, the oldest tales, which is, um, again, handed down by the Quapa Indians who live nearby, um, which is of two young Indian lovers, um, Native American lovers, who wished to marry, but the, the chief demanded an unusually large amount for, uh, uh, for his daughter's hand. Um, unable to meet his demand, they decided to elope against the chief's wishes, and a, a war party was soon dispatched. Uh, when the two lovers discovered they were to be captured, they committed suicide by jumping from the highest peak in the area. It's Romeo and Juliet, that kind of um, that kind of story. It's now in 1870. There's another legend um, about a miner whose cabin was raided by Native Americans while he was away. Um, his his wife and children were taken captive, and he never saw them again. He is allegedly still searching for them with his with his lantern, which would be the infant spook light would be his ghostly ethereal lantern. And of course, there's a legend concerning a farmer who's captured by Indians and beheaded, and his lantern light is still seen along the road looking for his disembodied head. So lanterns seem to be popular. That's late eighteen hundreds, that's you know, their flashlight, and that's common source. So we understand. Everyone understands what, what I'm talking about. I'm over explaining. Um, now, um, some of the research I'm reading was for uh, from uh, a guy named Garland a Spooky Middleton, um, who's now deceased, who wants to own a small building at the edge of the Missouri-Oklahoma border. This building was converted into a spooklight museum where Spooky, which is his nickname, would entertain both locals and out-of-state visitors to the area with ice-cold sodas and tales of the spooklight through the years. The museum housed the best collection of pictures and newspaper articles concerning light to date. Um, now, in the beginning years of the establishment, Spooky uh, would have uh, used binoculars and had telescopes set up that were facing the road, and for 10 cents a peak, you could look for the light. Unfortunately, um, after the death of Spooky, the building um, and the area was bought up by new residents who did not share the same enthusiasm for the light as Spooky did, and they closed down the museum and actually tried to deter visitors to the site for, for now, a time. Uh, those that remember talking to Spooky at, at great length, um, he had a lot to say about some of the more impressive um, recorded encounters with the spook light. He pointed to uh, a nearby field within a hundred yards or so, and uh, and uh, recall an eerie counter one evening. And he remembered the spook light appeared on the road just after sunset and began to roll like a basketball, giving off sparks, and it tumbled down the gravel road. And then it entered to a grassy field where several cows were quietly grazing away and appeared to move silently among the cattle without disturbing them one bit. And in fact, the animals paid no attention to their illuminated visitor. Uh, the very first recorded investigation of the spook light was 1942 by a group of students from the University of Michigan. They set up campsites in the area for about two weeks and began testing and experimenting to determine its origin and causes. Um, allegedly, they even shot at the light with high-powered rifles. Uh, they recalled that the light was only blinked out for a second or two and then reappeared at the same location. They came away completely mystified and without any answers. Um, initial investigation um, with the United States Army Corps of Engineers from a nearby Camp Crowder began research and studies of the phenomenon in 1946. They used every type of experiment known, including use of signal lights on a road 13 miles away, trying to prove that car lights were the source of the ghost light. Um, but they made no definitive con- conclusion. However, our Captain R.L. Lofton later believed uh, the engineers had used the wrong road. Um, but that'll come in later. January 1983, um, a letter was written to Tulsa District Corps of Engineers trying to gain more insight into the inf- est- investigation. Um, the response I received from um, the Tulsa District Corps of Engineers was that 
Um, they have never made any investigation of the spooklet near Joplin, Missouri. And the Joplin area was at one time part of the area, including the Tulsa's district boundary, but no study or investigation of the light was ever made. In the fall of 1955, a group of students from Shawnee Mission, Kansas High School, including um, Albert Yeoman, Phil Hennessy, Simpson Yeoman, uh, Bob Keeley, John Dubois, uh, Michael Keefe, and Bill Calvin, and Larry Scammon looked into the light. The group was assisted in experiments by Lofton. They came equipped with cameras, electronic measuring devices, and communication equipment. They tested mines in the area for strange gases, atmospheric electricity, and car lights, so no concrete answers were found. Uh, Robert Gannon, a popular mechanics, conducted a similar test in 1965, accompanied by Dr. Henry H. Hicks and John Prudeau. Uh, Henry Hicks, professor of mechanical engineering at the engineering at the University of Arkansas, also observed the light and said, uh, "I rather doubt the atmospheric refractions could cause the effect because refraction are subdued at night." And he adds that, in his opinion, the light is some kind of fixed light, perhaps a billboard light, but some of the mechanisms are not clear. Um, now, uh, one of the obvious uh, criticisms and um, um, glaring errors in the assumptions that we'll get more into. Um, about the source of light being from cars down the road and things like that is that it doesn't um, um, it doesn't really explain away all these sightings that were recorded in the mid 1800s. Obviously, um, now during Labor Day weekend in 1982, um, the Ghost Research Society members traveled to Joplin to conduct their own investigation and firsthand observations of the spook light. Um, they chased the elusive light up and down the road from dusk to dawn, never able to get close to identify it. Um, they were able to get several excellent photographs and saw the image through uh, 10x50 binoculars. Um, they observed it the best after 3 in the morning when the traffic on the actual road ceased to be a problem. Um, some of the GRS members were stalking the light as quietly as possible and suddenly they were able to see the light a few feet above the ground near a distant barn. At first glance, they thought the barn was on fire or perhaps someone had a bonfire raging nearby because it was so extremely bright. Um, it was at this point in time they entered into what they would later call a zone of fear, quote-unquote, taken from a John Keel book. It was like a sudden, uncontrollable panic attack, and something they hadn't experienced there since. Uh, members of the GRS said the only one to do was run for the car and drive away, but their curiosity got the best of them and plunged forward, finally exiting the mysterious zone. Um, at, at that point, they were approximately 75 to 100 yards away and was, uh, and was in the shock for, of their life, according to them. Um, light did not appear to be a... Simple ball, but a diamond-shaped object with a hollow center, but in, in a golden hue. Um, they say that could actually see the trees and bushes right through the empty center of the of the object. Um, the researchers later verified the sighting upon um, their return to the car. And it stayed in that relative position for about thirty seconds, and then disappeared slowly behind a hill. Um, what they said was remarkable was the space that was just occupied a moment ago by this light now twinkled and glowed with some form of uh, luminosity or phosphorescence. So they're saying it basically sparkled with energy, which sounds even more ridiculous than um, just the light at the distance, but um, this is their recorded experience with light. Uh, it then reappeared in that same location twice more, bobbing up and down like a fisherman's cork on the water before disappearing altogether. Um, they crept silently up the hill in the car, hoping to see where it had gone, but before they got to the crest of the hill, it suddenly appeared right in the middle of the road, ahead of them, less than 70 yards away. The light then proceeded to form, uh, perform the, uh, the famous bobbing action before disappearing after the third appearance. Um, basically, people have seen the light where it kind of bobs up and down and kind of moves around. They turned to the crest of the hill, hill as quickly as possible, but as they reached the summit, the light was already on an estimated... An estimated a mile and a half away in the distant treetops. 
total elapsed time to arrive at the summit was no more than 60 seconds. Now, the GRS, the Ghost Research Society, returned again in uh, May of 1983 with more personnel and lots of new equipment. Uh, we, they brought along infrared film and a 4.5-inch reflector using the 35mm cameras and time exposures lasting from 30 to 90 seconds. And they did capture what appeared to be an extremely bright star in several shots showing distinct movement and separation into many sections. Um, some of the pictures show the light splitting into two or three parts. Um, others show side to side motion. Uh, they were able to capture the light on videotape, and the footage is, um, as they say, um, pretty remarkable. It's very unusual. You can see it very clearly. Um, the tape is clear enough to show the background, which is useful for gauging distance and size, as well as other stationary street lights in the distance. Um, the spook light is clearly visible in the film and appears to move about, uh, glows brighter and dimmer from time to time, and disappears in a most unusual fashion instead of. Simply exhausting itself together, quickly the light begins to dim considerably and slowly fades out like a campfire, and that is beginning to drown out. Uh, in fact, the light is reminiscent of a candle uh, flame seen from several miles away. Um, they return numerous times to view, investigate, and record the light. Uh, it's always there for it's. It's always there in that location for people to see. It's well known. People go and drive out and, and park on the road. It's really probably more of a driving hazard than anything. Um, on NBC's The Other Side, uh, one of the members of the Ghost Research Society was asked to investigate the light for television along with Sherry Sanders, the local NBC affiliate anchor. Um, of all the times they visited the site, this was the only time it failed to make an appearance. Um, I mean, another point where it kind of opened to criticism is that the one time that there's more eyes on it than just um, the GRS, it doesn't work. Um, but also, um, it's so well known that you can go to this location and see this light. I, I wouldn't say that actual vision of the light and perceiving it doesn't exist, but this is one of those points where it was another story. Um, it'd be open for uh, skepticism, um, clearly. Now, one of the most thorough investigations of the light was conducted by uh, members of the GRS in 2002, um, using the latest in high technology at that time. Uh, so topographical and hand-drawn maps of the area were employed along with high-powered binoculars, 35-millimeter cameras with a telephoto lens, uh, Sony night shot cameras, magnometers, magnetometers, uh, Geiger counters, uh, negative ion detectors, and CB radios. Uh, upon their arrival, they gathered inf additional information from various sources throughout the Joplin area and even appeared in NBC affiliate station KSN on their first night of observation. Uh, the team included GRS members Donna Boonstra, Jim Grazik, uh, Stan Suho, uh, Howard in Virginia Heights, and um, a stationary command post was set up near the intersection of State Line Road and the Spook Light Road, while two other outposts were stationed further down the road at various intervals. Each command post uh, was equipped with cameras, binoculars, maps, and CB radios for reporting their individual observations back to the command post. Now, partly due to the television coverage, their first night there, traffic along the road was increased as locals came out to see what their team was up to and to relate their personal experiences of the light. Um, many had some interesting tales to tell, including um, an uncle of one of the, um, the people who described his encounter with the light in 1930, uh, claimed to have seen the light float across the road and into adjacent fields, slam to the ground, and break up into a thousand pieces of small, individually lit lights. 
Um, the first two nights went by without a single report from um, any of their outposts or the command outposts of any such activity, even though others coming further down the road claimed to have seen it. Constantly hampered by a bright full moon, uh, they decided on their last night of observation to go completely mobile and abandon the command post idea. Um, further down the road, in uh, what they called the hollow or zone of fear, we began to make observations of a single light well above the elevation of the road and inconsistent of headlight color or proximity to the ground. Um, these sightings continued through the evening and early morning hours, even though traffic was at a bare minimum. Um, obviously what they were seeing, um, to them was not other car headlights. And at one point they were close enough to the interstate that you could even hear the large trucks rolling by, but could not see any reflections or direct images of car headlights on the interstate. They could hear them, but could not see them or even the interstate road for that matter. Um, they were unable to photograph the light, but uh, believe they did videotape several seconds of a most unusual light formation, which was definitely not a headlight of an approaching car. Um, they do plan on yet another investigation of the light, um, and um, likely many more. Um, but again, uh, the GRS, hard to uh, say they found, uh, as they claim, anything as definitive as they're suggesting. Um, a lot of the images they find are, are pretty typical with um, what other people have posted is just um, lights kind of off the distance. I mean, uh, I know there's stories, and they say they followed it um, off the path into a field, or they saw well, someone saw it explode, or as a diamond shape, and things like that. But um, this is where you want to employ skepticism, is because people definitely see it's definitely a phenomenon that people see this light from that distance. Um, but when people say they follow it down a path or something, even though they have all of this technological equipment, they're saying they have cameras, they have uh, Geiger counters and things like that, but you know they suspiciously aren't able to film when they have their uh, most unusual encounter with light. But they, you know, they see what everyone else is see. But suddenly, when you know they're called to explain, oh, hey, we saw it followed, you know, travel to this barn and they get lost and turn around or whatever, suddenly their equipment isn't working properly or they didn't f remember to capture it. Or, you know, things like that that kind of gloss over in their reports, um, which I find a little um, suspicious and open for um, skepticism. kind of recap more and another perspective on the light and the light's basically been appearing to people for almost 140 years so um despite the um, convincing um theories of car headlights at the distance from the highway down the road um it, it doesn't account for the very early sightings of the light although at the same time um we can't say that the same light that was reported years earlier is the same um or if that the stories were um, for instance, you know, they have these stories passed down of this light in this mysterious light. And then all of a sudden with these stories popping back up in the early 1900s, when cars become more common, um, now they start seeing this light down the road and maybe they just apply those lights to this, et cetera. I think you understand what I'm saying. Um, is that that's also a possibility. So, um, I'm not saying that is what it is, but I mean, that's another likely scenario that sh shouldn't just be disregarded because it can't account for automobiles not being around in the 1800s. 
um, because there's more than one way to rationalize it. Um, but it's varied in size, the actual spook light and size from a basketball are even larger. And it spins down the center of the gravel road at great speed, rises up high, bobs, weaves to the right and left. Now, no one's ever been injured by the light, but many claim to have been frightened by it walking down the road at night, um, similar to the quote-unquote zone of fear that GRS um, observed. Um, some observers even take a shot or two at the light. Um, Franklin Rossman, who lived near Devil's Promenade, which is kind of a colloquial term for that area, which is around Hornets and south of Joplin, uh, he twice attempted to shoot the light with a 30-30 rifle, but the shots had no effect whatsoever. He told an investigator to the site that he was unable to judge the distance to the light as it had such an odd look to it. Also, you know, he's perceiving light from a distance, so there's no way he's going to get... Uh, he, what he thinks is a solid mass that he's shooting at, which probably is. Um, now, as far as is known, the first account of it appeared in the Kansas City Star in 1936, and then in the 1947 book Ozark Superstitions by Vance Randolph, which I've actually mentioned in a previous uh, podcast, the one about witches, which you can go back and listen to. Um, he's a famed Missouri folklorist, and Randolph was the first person to put into print the oral legends of the light's origins and beheaded Indians to lost children. Um, in 1958, a writer for the Four Times investigated the light and described it as a diffused orange glow that floated and weaved along the roadway. He also noted that it seemed to change size as he watched it, varying between the size of an apple to that of a bushel basket. Um, to me, this also supports the theory of the card lights, because obviously if the car's coming forward or moving backward, the light's not going to be the same size from where you're looking at it also people are pursuing it and walking towards it or away from it so that's going to change um it's perceived size how they're looking at it now another suggestion as to what it is is uh, is a popular theory called marsh gas fortunately marsh gas does not ignite itself spontaneously and while an abundance of such gas in a marsh or swamp would certainly be flammable um it cannot light itself so even if it did Wind and rain would soon extinguish any flame that appeared and in addition strong winds that have been reported during sightings of the hornet light do not seem to disturb the light or keep it from moving in whatever direction it pleases. Um, there have also been theories suggesting the light might be glowing from uh, minerals in the area. Um, this seems doubtful also because um, as light does not always appear in the same place. Um, another plausible suggestion there is the light could be, the, uh, be formed by electrical fields in areas where earthquakes and ground shifts take place. Um, that's a possibility since there are fault lines in the region. Uh, four earthquakes took place um, in the early 1800s, it had a devastating effect on this part of the state. Um, it's possible that the lights started appearing around the time of the earthquakes, but not reported until the population in the area grew around the time of the Civil War. As we covered in our Ball Numbers episode, in this part of the country, uh, following the Civil War, there's a lot of um, displaced soldiers that you know couldn't go to their homes, and they would kind of... Uh, this led to forming a lot more towns and kind of populating areas that were... Um, previously um, small and um, not even really existent. Um, now, the most popular theory, again, is the uh, um, light from automobiles. Um, driving on the highway about five miles east of the promenade. Um, so those um, supporting that theory say the highway is on a direct line uh, with the gravel road, but at a slightly lower elevation. Now, um, you could also point out that uh, a high ridge separates the promenade from the highway, um, but experts explain how refraction causes light to bend and creates the, the eerie effect that becomes the spook light. Um, several investigations that have been conducted at the site have shown that some of the sightings here may be attributed to that. Uh, Dr. George W. Ward, formerly of the Bureau of Standards in Washington and later with the Midwest Research Institute, uh, investigated the light in 1945. He said that shortly after arriving at the Devil's Promenade, he saw a diffused glow appear over some low hills. A few moments later, a sphere of light 
appeared that looked to be about four to six feet in diameter. Ward humorously added that the publicity director of the Midwest Institute remarked to the others assembled that he had seen all that he cared to, and as the light approached the group, he quickly locked himself inside of their automobile. Um, but Ward was critical about the source of the light. Uh, during his study, he decided that the light must originate to the west of the viewing site and over the range of hills in the distance. He surmised that the refraction of auto headlights from a road that was in line with the country lane could create an illusion of a traveling light. Dr. Ward checked his maps and found that such a road did exist, a section of highway that ran east and west between Commerce and Quapaw, Oklahoma. Um, he suggested that an airplane might be used to spot cars on the highway and relay the information to observers at the Spook Light site. If the lights could be shown to correspond with the Hornet light, the mystery would be solved. Uh, Captain Bob E. Lofton followed these speculations with his own experiments a few years later. He discovered that colored test lights that were placed on the suspected areas of Route 66 could be seen from the Devil's Promenade. He further reasoned that the presence of moving cars along the highway would appear as spheres of light closely grouped together. He also added that changing humidity and temperature would cause the creative lights to behave strangely, and this would explain the number of unusual stories told about the way the light acted. Um, so really with the Joplin spook light, it's never going to be con convincingly solved just for the various aspects of the, the legend of it is, you know, while the car headlight theory is convincing enough to me because not only were they able to make an observation and theorize what it could be, um, they were able to recreate the light. So when you're able to recreate what people are seeing, um, to me, that's enough to sufficiently prove that um, what they're seeing is a, a phenomenon limited to, um, um, you know, just driving and just something explainable. So, um, but the reason it's always going to be probably disputed uh, is just because of the, the sightings that have occurred long before that. Um, and that's the kind of thing with a lot of these legends where it's hard to necessarily disprove it because it's not based on... Um, it's not based on reason or logic necessarily because they're, you know, tales handed down through families and time, etc. Um, and again, like I said, uh, while I understand that, that most common criticism of them, you know, they've been seen before, before automobiles. Um, there's also a number of things that they could have been seeing that are now being applied to the specific light. Um, so there's a bit of confirmation bias that could be involved. Again, I don't, I don't actually know. It could be something, um, but I, it's another one of those things where it's, you know, if it is what people say it is, what's the significance of it? Um, what's harrowing about a mysterious floating light that doesn't harm anybody and only a, appears in a relatively fixed location despite people saying that they followed it off to the side and the fields and stuff, that's as... Um, I mean, you know, if they're going to be skeptical of the automobile theory, then you have to be equally um, skeptical about, you know, a group of ghost research members that, you know, follow it off the trail and see these amazing things with all this equipment and never think to record it. Um, but that's all I have for the spook light. Um, 
there's a lot of interesting stuff you can read about it um, online. Um, there's, it's, I mean, again, it's got its own Wikipedia entry where you can read about the different theories about it um, and, and come to your own conclusion about what you think it is. Um, for me, the automobile headlight theory um, is convincing enough be, just because of their ability to recreate the phenomenon. Um, but it's not convincing to everybody else, and I'm not always right. Um, so, um, so go out, um, tell me what you think, um, uh, post on the page, any photos or videos you found. Um, thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.